Hello, and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I'm Stu, and this week he's been pondering on the fact that as Brad's not here, he might be losing his mind and talking to himself. How are you doing, Stu? Well, I'm alright, Stu, although I think I might be losing my mind. Yeah, so gags aside, unfortunately Brad's too ill to do the podcast this week. As he's mentioned before and you'll have seen on the socials, unfortunately he's got COVID along with the rest of his family, so he's not doing too great with that. He's not in any danger, I don't believe, but obviously he's pretty sick and he can't record. So, yeah, you're stuck with me. Yeah, I know, sorry, poor you. That's very bad. I would say switch off now, but I've got too much of an ego, so stay on, listen to me. I'm ace. So, Stu, what have you been playing this week? Well, Stu, quite a few things, actually, but a few notables. And we'll go through them in the standard format. To begin with, I've been playing Tetris Effect Connected. And not just because Brad continually goes on about it. Although, you know, that's a factor. It's more present in my general day-to-day working world than it would have been, if not for Brad's insistence that a copy has to be bought every time it's released. But, you know, it's to a good end. The man's got his head in the right space. It's an absolute classic. And... I got it on the Switch, because I have it already on loads of other formats. And it's just one of those that you do, like I say, you keep buying, because it deserves the recognition and it deserves the popularity. And also, you know, you want to keep playing it, and it's best played, if you're just playing the standard game, it's best played on a handheld, in my opinion. So, yep, got it on my Switch, sadly not on OLED. But it is a Switch Lite, which has, for me, the better joypad out of that and the one with the Joy-Cons. And, of course, the Joy-Cons don't fail. But the trade-off is screen's probably not as good and doesn't have any rumble. Anyway, my big worry about connected on the Switch was going to be, is it running it? You know, an acceptable frame rate. Again, something Brad's not bothered by, but particularly in something that required such precision, it's quite important. Just a tad, you know, just a tad. And yeah, it does, which is a really, really good thing. So it plays really smoothly and accurately. There's no issue with seeing the detail on the screen. You can still zoom in and out if you want to using the left analog stick. Or is it the right one of them anyway? And you've got tons and tons of accessibility options. Brad spoke about them in the previous podcasts. Have a listen to those to hear what they are in full but yeah no it's it's great it it just you know it, it fits it onto the machine really 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 well and i think there might be a few effects missing i can't be entirely sure but certainly nothing that really detracts from it and most importantly the audio is is there it's as it's as good as it is on any of the other formats and you know that's the thing that edges connected over over the line, really, when it comes to all the other versions, is that, you know, Tetsuya Mitsuguchi thing of that synesthesia, you know, like Rares and like Lumens. For me, I think it matches the music and the atmosphere and the chill-out feel, apart from when it gets really fast, really, really well. I don't think it does it as well as Lumens, or Luminaires, or however you want to pronounce it. I don't think it quite matches that 
and only in that one factor. It's a better game than Lumens. Just, I think Lumens is an absolute copper-bottomed all-time classic, particularly on PSP or another handheld. I think it's just form and function totally perfectly matching and the music right there with that style of gameplay, yeah, it, it just blends like Res does into an absolutely perfect package. But it's a better game than Res as well. well. You know, come at me with all these opinions, obviously, but, you know, Res is, is a decent game, but the shooting is a vehicle for the synesthesia element, whereas with Lumens, it's entirely... You know, the two are just fused. It's completely fused together, in my opinion. And, yeah, it just, for me, it's just phenomenal. Anyway, I don't know how many hours we've covered te- over, te- <laughs> over different podcasts on Tetris now. It must be at least six. But, yeah, there you go. There's some extra. And, yeah, it's just, it's great. If you haven't got it on any format get hold of it. It's free on Game Pass. Well, not free, because you pay for Game Pass. But it's on it. It's on Game Pass. And it's, I think, fairly cheap, reasonably cheap on other formats. So go ahead and get it. Dragging myself away from UN Squadron has been extremely hard. Like, really hard. So, you know, obviously I, I remembered how good it was. I remembered from 25 years ago. No, nearly 30. 30 years ago, Jesus. I remembered from 30 years ago how into it I got. And I, th- I think, I re- now, you see, it's always hard to remember. Well, it's 30 years, man. But I'm pretty sure that I kind of caned it and caned it and caned it and was never good enough to get right to the end and, and you know, even get to the end, not complete it um, with loads of credits. And I've been playing it now. I got a ASCII Super Joystick. Hang on, let me know what it's called. Super ASCII Stick, right? For the SNES. Super Famicom in my case. It's a Japanese unit. I got that because I saw it fairly cheap in Japan. Managed to get hold of it. And unlike loads of joysticks from that particular era... It's actually micro-switched. I've got a few, and they're the the plunger style with the graphite contacts that you have in pads. And obviously for joysticks, that's not a great thing. They're not robust enough, they're not clicky and connected enough, or responsive enough, or anything like that. They're pretty rubbish, to be honest. Works okay in a pad, because there's a shorter travel distance, but, you know, okay. Just do, yeah, that's enough about the mechanics and physical properties of joysticks and control pads. But this stick is great, and I'm able to get to... I I nearly completed it. I was able to one-credit it all the way to the end, and then died on the boss several times, the final boss. And it's kind of a... Like you do a multiple passes of this big ship. It's a little bit similar to R-Type with the big ship, you know? It's not quite as big as that, but it's probably as tough if not tougher and the difficult part is that it's got like a beating heart just like you know they often have in these games lodged in the centre of the ship and getting into that means that you're both physically in a very tight and narrow space and you're getting shot at and there's t- tons of other things moving parts to collide 
So, long story short, I got right to the end on a single credit and then I died, lost all my lives on the boss. So, that's not going to stop me. And, uh, as I say, I can't stop going back to it. So, I've got, like, the mirror opposite problem of people with ROMs that they complain about, which is that because they've got them, the value of the games decrease. And so they play them for five minutes and then don't bother. I've got the opposite problem. I've been playing this one exclusively and haven't touched a single other game other than Super Mario World, which was the first one I played. And I completed that as well. So I've been quite, you know, I've been quite focused. Anyway, wonderful, wonderful game. I highly suggest that you pick it up in a in a pack. I think you could probably get it in the, in the Capcom Arcade pack. I'm not sure if you can get the SNES version and, or it's just the arcade one. Uh, I'm not even entirely sure if you can get that. So, yeah, pick it up, fair means or foul, however you like. It's not going to hurt Capcom, uh, and it will benefit them if it's somewhere available for purchase. So, yeah, go for it. Thumbs up. Final game to talk about this week is a new one. Uh, it crawled from the past and out the depths from the crypt into the blinking bright light of the modern world and was playing Mighty Goose, which is a throwback, so that's quite ironic. And this is on Game Pass as well, I've been playing it on PC, but it'll no doubt be available on Xbox as well. And it's a run and gun, very much in the style of, it's kind of a mix of a few things, but you know, if you're talking about it being a recipe, it's kind of like two massive dollops of Metal Slug and then a dollop of Mega Man and then a mix of spice that's other run and gun games like Gunstar Heroes and the like Rapid Reload, you know Gunners Heaven, those kinds of things it's really really good it's uh, it's complete mayhem it doesn't do much that's completely new but there are a couple of things in there, there are a couple of things that are modern quality of life improvements, which is great you know, like saving, being able to go back previous levels, being able to upgrade your weapons and, and abilities, which I won't go into too much because they're great to discover. But it does bring about some new stuff, so like firing down when you're in the air, very similar to Metal Slug, actually keeps you in the air, so you can... enemies that have like a lot of armour and protection from the front, you can hover above and shoot at makes it sound like a win button but it isn't because there's tons of other enemies on screen all at once there's loads of huge explosions at times it deliberately turns into a complete salad screen salad of auto destruction where you can't really see anything but it at the end of those uh it, it kind of during them it doesn't fire too there aren't too many projectiles being fired at you and also at the end of them they tend to have things that drop health it's very much a kind of like reward for it being difficult to that point and it's difficult it's not metal slug difficult or even you know gunstar heroes difficult it's reasonable it's it's a re averagely difficult game you know it requires some skill and paying attention and you know a bit of learning some of the boss patterns but it's not crazy uh it's very accessible and it's, there's this emphasis on fun very silly lots of cartoonish characters you know the titular goose will randomly honk when he's in the middle of a fight, which always cracks me up. It's just crazy. It's got some great cartoony cutscenes that are, you know, wacky and kind of, you know, in a very silly kind of Nickelodeon kind of style and, and just, you know, 
intentionally supposed to be ludicrous and make you laugh and yeah you got companions that that give you assistance which again i won't talk about too much and some excellent excellent weapons and what the there's a couple of things it really lifts direct from metal slug as a as a homage kind of thing including the ride in the vehicles and the way the weapons work and the types of weapons to a large degree and the announcer saying what weapon it is in, in the exact same style and tone as the original Metal Slug one. It might even be the same guy. But it does have enough in it to be its own thing and the, the level layouts and some particularly nice little kind of things to do with traversal and transport and particularly gravity are very very clever so i would say even if you haven't got game pass if you like running guns i would pick it up because it's a very very good game and it might creep into my games of the year list i'm about 40 percent in or so i've done the first four levels so oh, probably a little less than that maybe about 30 percent and yeah yeah it's just it at the moment really good fun and it's ramping up and each level is bringing something new to the party uh which is really surprising um to a you know a pleasantly surprising situation so yeah very good maybe one of the games of the year for me and check it out now obviously i'm just going to keep this brief today because it's just me on my own and as much as I like the sound of my own voice I'm not going to talk for too long. I will mention about Covid a little bit just because I know we don't cane talking about it because we did when it first started obviously uh, talking about it in the wider world. It's at a stage now where it's I'm, I'd be surprised if there are any, very many people who haven't had somebody in their immediate circle or just one from their immediate circle removed who hasn't had it now you know i know loads of people now it, people in my family not my immediate family but i have a very small immediate family just me my mum and my sister they haven't had it yet but people in my wider family loads of them have had it quite a few of my friends have had it brad has it so it's it's there and i don't i just don't understand at the moment whether people understand this whether they understand it and they're frightened and therefore it appears like they don't care or whether we're just on the tipping point where it's going to go back to an understanding of the level of severity and in a reversal people pushing the government pushing back at the government to go back into things like lockdown or a some sort of you know, slightly more controlled situation, i.e., you know, putting masks on and stuff in shops, which at the moment is you know, down to about, oh, I don't know. Well, for example, yesterday I went into the shop. I always wear a mask. I probably always will from now on in most busy shops, but um, I'm you know, uncommon in that. But I think I saw one other person out of about 12 who had a mask on and yeah it's kind of like we're very much in the in the minority if only about somewhere between five and fifteen percent are wearing masks it's pretty much unimportant it won't make any real difference because 
a you know obviously they're not they're not medical masks they don't they don't have a huge impact and partly it's just psychological reassurance you know and I'm not blind to the fact but also you know it, it on the positive side it's a note to the people around you that you're taking care that you're paying attention and it had a feeling that when more people were wearing them it showed that they had to pay attention that there was still an issue that you know be careful about the number of things you're touching about where you sneeze or cough you know how close you stand to people about pushing past them about casually shaking the hand or giving a hug to an acquaintance when those when your masks in place those things go through your mind so it's it's a very good way of keep keeping that kind of perception and just keeping it in check and of course that's what people rail against you know because they see it as a system of control some people do that if you are mandated to have to wear a mask then that's the government telling you that your control is gone unfortunately in this case control has gone or at least it did i'm not sure if it's come back because of the delta variant that control was lost and it's not because it's a societal thing or it's a political thing it's just a, a purely biological thing and the human beings aside from the vaccine can't determine how quickly it spreads how many people get it how bad it is when you do have it and all of these other factors we just balance them as best we can but you know there's not much room for individualism when you're in the midst of a pandemic and if if individualism comes to the fore then it will be a lot slower controlling the spread and you know I'm, I'm not honestly not being political here at all I think this is a more of a societal level thing and how individuals react and obviously the campaigning by the government and the messaging and the the laws around it are important but we all have a sense of individual responsibility or at least we should you know well, I think most people do and it's very important that even if you don't think that you're at risk or you don't fully buy into the idea that the Delta variant is a big problem then things like wearing a mask and you know giving people space and distance is part of being a good member of society and you know i think i think there's kind of a right wing you know right wing people don't like that middle of the road centrists don't really either there's a kind of liberal way of thinking that is you know yes well you need all the facts you can't act without them and therefore people have the right to to make their own decisions and it's like well that works to a degree but we still need to fit within a framework because we're living in a society and our our actions as individuals impact others we don't all live in our individual caves as much as many people and to a degree even myself would like to be isolated uh, just naturally, you know, just be holed up somewhere amazing with the person or people that you love. That's not the society in which we live and probably never will be. And 
So you do have to take individual responsibility. And sometimes that means being mandated by the powers in that society. And that's it's not a right-wing viewpoint inherently to hold that. And it's not a left-wing viewpoint inherently to hold that. It's just, you know, it's outside of party politics and it's about basic survival. Now, obviously, you know, this is number 253 in the ongoing Stu Lecture series. I do apologise for sounding like I've got a lecturing tone on this one. But, you know, I just do feel that we still have so many numbers and the number's increasing. And the number of deaths is still high uh, and the number of people catching and the lack of knowledge about long COVID is scary and the idea of further mutation towards a more deadly variant is also frightening and we can't predict what will happen it might mutate into a much more benign variant very well might and i'm fingers crossed for it but we we just work with what we've got and what we've got is you know an okay level of understanding as a species about it but not amazing enough to have a treatment but for it not to be perfect and for it you know there's still a lot of work to be done so yeah i would just say i think that everyone needs to be cautious and i'm hoping that the level of understanding and integration increases i don't want people to blindly go into stuff or just listen to what i'm saying or just listen to what the other points of view are saying it's kind of gather as much information as you can but at the end of the day just taking care in this time has very little impact on us as individuals so take that care you know take the time to remember your mask and to give people space and time and be patient and kind and yeah just just try and help that flow in outwards outdoor society now that it's all changed and all a little bit weird and still hasn't settled but yeah no more lecturing i promise for today anyway that's it for this podcast i'm sure you'll join me in hoping brad feels better very very soon obviously it's a horrible thing to have to put up with it would be anyway but on top of the fact that all of his family are ill as well and the fact that he's had to cope with all of his eyesight issues which he's done you know with almost no complaint I mean even when he complains it's normally in a jokey way and he's been so pragmatic about it it's fantastic not that he needs to be or that he should be but he is doing really well with that so this is a particularly nasty thing to have happened so let's hope that he's feeling better very very soon and we all send our love and on that note I will leave you. So until next time, hopefully the return of Brad, stay safe and stay sane.